What is going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Make sure to hit the like button, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or drops. Appreciate you coming back. Share this out. Five stars on Apple Podcasts. Do all of the good stuff. So, don't know, again, I usually say this a lot, but don't know how long this podcast should take. I was originally going to do a live stream with uh, one of my friends who's a content creator, known across YouTube, but unfortunately some scheduling stuff happened, and I, I couldn't get a content creator on, so I'm like, you know what, let me just assess the Giants by the first half and the second half myself, and then in the offseason we'll do some sort of a roundtable, whether it's the draft, free agency, or just like an offseason 2023, 2023 review. So... The way I'm going to do this, very simple. I'm going to go through the offense, break it down. Second half questions, defense through the first half, second half questions, coaching staff, and then second half questions, and that's pretty much that. So let's revisit the timeline of the first 12 games, the first 13 weeks for the New York Giants. All sorts of expectations. Giants going 10-7, 9-8, 8-9, at least at that level. And everything that went wrong, or I should say everything that could go wrong, went wrong for the New York Giants, really starting with that blocked field goal. Um, The Giants had a solid running game up to that point in the Cowboy game, but then there was a false start penalty, a bad snap, it was raining, and the blocked field goal happened, and I think that was just the end of the Giants season right there because the team couldn't emotionally recover, nor mentally. And then you started having, you know, the pick six, and then Daniel Jones threw another pick, so that wasn't good. And usually when the Giants are 0-1, they don't make the playoffs, and that's the path we're on right now. Um, You know, with that being said, go to the next game. We win against the Cardinals, which you should have beaten the piss out of the Cardinals, given your expectations, but the Giants didn't do that. They were actually down 28-7 at the half. They win. Thursday Night Football, they're on the West Coast. They lose the 49ers expectedly. Then they go against Seattle and in a game where the Giants have to win, right? You know, you're how many weeks, you know, Buffalo on the road and Miami on the road. Seattle was a must-win situation, and they didn't have Andrew Thomas, which was a big part of why their offense really didn't do too well. And, of course, the quarterback play a part of it and amongst other things. So they get absolutely creamed by the Seattle Seahawks, um, the Pretty much the end of that game was when Daniel Jones threw the pick six to Davon Witherspoon. I mean, I'm like, dude, we need a quarter. That made me realize that the New York Giants needed a quarterback and they need one in the following draft. So 2024, hopefully the Giants get one. I really don't see a reason as to why Daniel Jones should be back as the starter. Now, he may start the first few games depending on how his ACL feels. There's no way he should be the long-term QB. You know, we'll see what happens. But uh, you go to week five, Dale Jones gets hurt, which, again, is to be expected. Tyrod Taylor comes in, you know, kind of was, I wouldn't say predictable, but foreseeable that Daniel Jones would get hurt by the behind the offensive line. Um, you know, he wasn't seeing receivers, taking too many sacks, running out of open, you know, very good pockets, I should say. But, I mean, Josh Azudu playing left tackle, not good. Uh, he's done for the year. Mark Lewinsky factoring in. Some of these other guys factoring in. Just the play was terrible. I mean, some of the worst O-line combos I've ever seen. And, you know, Tyra comes in. 
he comes in against the Bills, and the offensive line wasn't terrible. Could have been better, but, you know, it's a pretty close game, and the Giants rode with that game. Very close, though. A lot of miscues into Week 7, Commander's game. And, uh, you know, the Giants win that one very much off of the tail of the defense like they did uh, so many other games last year. And then you move forward with that. You go against the Jets. Tyrod Taylor gets hurt. Tommy DeVito comes in. And the Giants lose a very much nail-biter 13-10. It overtime to the New York Jets. And that was just not a good offensive game. Then the little spur of hope uh, people had left for playoff aspirations was against the Raiders. Daniel Jones comes back when Tyrod Taylor gets hurt. He tears his ACL, and that's the end of the season for him. And Tommy DeVito comes in, and pretty much the rest of the way, the Giants have been not good. But they won against Washington in a very good defensive effort. Same thing you could say against New England. Uh, Tommy DeVito obviously has put on this whole social media trend of Tommy Cutlets and, you know, the this, which is called a hand purse. I don't think any Italian actually calls it a hand purse, but that's what they call it with the emojis and stuff like that. I guess they're culturally appropriating. I don't know. But let's actually break it down into everything uh, that we have described thus far. And, of course, we have a few weeks left in the season. We got five to be exact. We got two games against the Eagles. We got one against the Packers and the Saints and the Rams. So um, only two divisional games. Let's start with the offense. We'll start at quarterback. Um, Daniel Jones getting hurt was not good. And obviously Tyrod Taylor got hurt. You know, it was destined to happen behind this bad offensive line. The Tyrod injury was not due to the offensive line. Uh, Daniel Jones injury, in my opinion, the first part was not the ACL injury. Though you could argue some things kind of like mixed in there. Lawrence Cager being in his way and Daniel Jones takes a sack, maneuvered his knee, and then his knee buckled once he took the next snap and boom, that was it. Season's over. But Daniel Jones was not playing very good beforehand. Uh, you know, we obviously excuse the Dallas game a little bit because of the circumstances. Against Arizona in the first half, he was a ghost. Second half, you know, he obviously showed up, which is great. Uh, against San Fran, not much to be had. Poor offensive line play, offensive inconsistencies. Then you move to Seattle in a game. He needs to be absolutely on his stuff. He doesn't play up to par at all. Um, you know, missed throws. Same shit we were seeing in 2021. The pick six was just awful. It seems like Monday Night Football, he always likes committing turnovers. And again, at that point, I realized the Giants needed a QB and that Daniel Jones was not the answer. So, you know, at that point, the Giants were still living with aspirations, a one and three, the defense still playing decent. Um, and then he gets hurt. He gets hurt against the Miami Dolphins. And it's just like, ugh, you know, it's one of those, right? Um, and, you know, gets hurt against the Dolphins. Put in Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor starts from there. And they win a game. And, you know, I will say this, right? Against the Jets, it was not the story. A little bit against the Bills. And against Washington, there was that debate, right? You know, the offense looked better under Tyrod. In my opinion, the offense did look better under Tyrod. Because, yeah, there were some mistakes. But Tyrod took risks, right? And, you know, the offensive line, obviously, is a factor. And Tyrod has taken more sacks in his career. 
But the fact of the matter is he was taking risks. He was going to Hyatt downfield. He was, you know, getting Waller up the seam. He was, you know, hitting Saquon Barkley in stride in some of these passes, right? And another thing we saw with Daniel Jones is just missed throws. Not just, you know, seeing guys open and not throwing it, but there was that one play that really pissed me off against the Dolphins to where, you know, he has Wandale Robinson open coming out of the backfield in the flat. He throws it behind him. And it's just like, that could have been a first, but it wasn't because the throw was so shitty. So they win a game, um, and then obviously what happens with the Jets and Tommy DeVito coming in, just very unexpected, very bad planning by Brian Dable um, because Tyrod is an injury-prone quarterback. He has always been that way since coming into the league, and they didn't have a plan for him. You know, They didn't have a plan to back him up, I should say. Tommy DeVito wasn't even taking first-team snaps. They bring him in, and they let him throw seven times for negative two passing yards or total that's negative nine so I mean that's just the situation that was they were playing not to lose that game then mysteriously and this caught me like so off guard it's not even funny that Daniel Jones suddenly cleared right he was supposed to go against the Cowboys and play and he ended up playing against the Raiders snapping his knee all that sort of stuff but also as well I may add this right um you know his neck was not fully healed. You you heard multiple reports from multiple different doctors. This thing needs surgery or he just needs to be out in a long extended period of time. That's what I didn't like. Personally, me, with the way they've been handling injuries. And I know that's not much talked about over the last few weeks because the Giants have won two straight games. All these different things, right? But the Daniel Jones injury, I thought they very much mishandled. I thought to some extent they mishandled the Barkley injury. He's going to be nagging with it the entire season, so you know that's not something we're gonna we're gonna forget about. But it's also not something we're gonna complain about because he's the one putting himself on the field for the contract. And also Andrew Thomas, uh, he was out there meaningless snaps against the Cowboys. They didn't take him out, seeing that he was clearly hurt. I mean, it's twenty six to nothing. You know, put in somebody else. And also, how many times they left Daniel Jones in getting hit? Uh, when the game is completely over. I mean, that that just doesn't make a lot of sense, in my personal opinion. So you have that and, you know, the whole Andrew Thomas thing, and he is such a vital part of this offense. Uh, it's not even funny, man. And, you know, when the, he, when the quarterback is protected on their blind side, the offense functions a little bit more uh, in a good way. And Andrew Thomas has just been the most important player on offense. You know, there's IMP, I think it's him, uh, beside the quarterback, beside the running back. So you have that. Um, and again, just the way the Giants have mishandled injuries, not a fan of it. And again, I know you were kind of playing for a playoff spot, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Andrew Thomas, but it just doesn't need to happen. It just doesn't need to happen. You know, you'd rather just say, okay, he cannot play. And I get it. There's a coach's mentality. There's a winning mentality of, Hey, uh, if they can't play, they're a bunch of pussies. Well, if they seriously can't play and they're getting hurt again, that's going to fall on the coaching staff and the training staff, which has been a problem for the New York Giants for the past how many years now, uh, getting hurt, injuries, all that sort of stuff. The running game has not been good. They rank, I think, in mid. I think they rank like either 14th or 24th in the running game. I want to say it's 14th, but it could be 24th. Um, you know, the running game just hasn't gotten going. Saquon Barkley, let's take a look, right? Um, had a huge dose of carries against the New York Jets, had 128 yards on something like 36 carries. That's not efficient. 
right? I always look at a running back. I always look at their efficiency, right? You know, how many yards are they rushing for this, that, and the other thing, this and that, and this and that, whatever, right? Uh, I always look at yards per carry. That game against the Jets, that was not efficient running. He ran for like three point something yards per carry. And the rest of the season, he has not had a game where it's over four. Actually, no, it's over 100 yards. He's had games where it's like four yards per carry, stuff like that. Like the game against Dallas the first time, he had 4.3 yards per carry, which is solid, right? Um, against Arizona, he had 63 yards and 17 carries, which totaled out to 3.7 just under, and he also had a touchdown as well. And he was also, I, w- I will give credit where credit is due, Saquon Barkley's been a very good receiver out of the backfield, right? You know, catching passes. There was some drop issues earlier in the year, but, you know, with Tyrod and DeVito, they trust him a little bit more out of the backfield, and he's acclimated to that. You know, you didn't have a running game against San Fran. They opted not to run it, and Matt Breida was the lead carrier at 17 yards. And then Seattle, they didn't have him. Miami, they didn't have him. They got him back for Buffalo, and he had 93 yards on a total of like 24 carries, so that's about 3.9. Not necessarily efficient. You know, he had two big runs, uh, 53 yards total. And then Barkley against Washington, you saw a little bit of an emergence, kind of him coming back, 3.7 yards per carry. So it's that's really where it's been with Saquon Barkley. I'm not going to go down the whole list. But he's at 4.2 yards per carry on the season. He's about, let's see, 303 yards away from the 1,000 mark, which would be number four of his career. And he's got 165 rushing yards. Excuse me, 165 carries. My bad on that one. And the Giants rush, you know, top 10 most in the league, percentage-wise. But the offensive line hasn't blocked. I feel like there are some games where Barkley doesn't see a hole. I think definitely Eric Gray and Matt Breida filling in for Barkley during the injury status was a little bit of a product. But again, Marcus McKee then rotating in, Jalen Mayfield, Jalen Thomas, all these other nobodies. And now we have a healthy offensive line outside of Evan Neal. That's going to help factor everything in for what looks to be a decent second half. I don't have any expectations personally. I want the Giants to lose out, but competitively. I know that's an oxymoron. But you just have to look at it from a couple of different perspectives to get where I'm going. Now, I will say this. The wide receiver production is not good. Um, and some of it is the receivers. Some of it is not the receivers. Um, the quarterback play definitely hampered the production of Darren Waller. I will say that, right? You know, first few games, he wasn't getting the ball much against the Cowboys. Didn't get it a lot. 49ers. He got it a lot against the Cardinals, got it a lot the first time against Washington. And you saw a little bit of a glimpse and then he went out with the hamstring against the Jets. And that was pretty much over done. Um, uh, Darius Slayton, he's been on and off some drops, some fumbling issues. So, you know, he's been a little inconsistent. I wouldn't bring him back next year per se, though. I don't think, you know, he's had a bad year for Darius Slayton standards because again, fifth round picks, I don't want your deal. One touchdown the season, um, and 435 yards, which leads the giants again. I think other than 2021, he led the giants in receiving yards 2019, 2020, 2022, and you know now 2023. What I will say is this also, too. You factor in Jalen Hyatt and Wandale Robinson. Wandale Robinson, in my opinion, has had more offensive consistency in terms of production than a guy like Jalen Hyatt. And he's the speedy guy. He's a tweener, but he runs for pretty good routes. He's actually at the top of the league in separation. So if you guys don't think he's separating, I would look at the stats. But Wandale Robinson... 
Um, I'm, I'm kind of impressed. I'm not going to lie. You know, with the season he's had, I would like to get him a little bit more involved in the offense. You know, fuck Paris Campbell. Fuck some of these other guys. You know, Hodgins, I get it. But, you know, he's probably not going to be a top priority next year to retain. Um, Sterling Shepard, there's no need to really factor him in. Lawrence Cager, obviously, because of the tight end position. But Wandale Robinson and Jalen Hyatt should be the point of emphasis moving forward, right? You know, Tommy DeVito went to Jalen Hyatt a lot, a lot, a lot against the New England Patriots. You saw a little bit against the Commanders, but against the New England Patriots, he was the leading receiver. And I talked about it. I asked Abel about it. I said, look, you know, obviously Jalen Hyatt was the offensive MVP against the Pats. What's the plan to get him more involved? And he said, you know, they got to come in. They got to work like they've been doing Again, I get it. You know, there's playoffs on the line, stuff like that. But Hyatt and Wondell Robinson, they need to be a part of the game plan in and out. And you factor Slayton in, of course. And you get an outside receiver next year or whatever the case may be. I mean, Hyatt could be the other guy. And and uh, Wondell Robinson, and just some depth at the back end. But um, I'll talk about this part, and then we'll go to second half questions, is the multiple O-line combinations. The Giants have allowed 69 sacks, which is the most in the league. I will say that that's not all due to the offensive line. Daniel Jones hasn't been great with pocket presence. Neither has Tommy DeVito taking like 20 sacks in three games and all that other nonsense. But it doesn't help that everyone outside of, you know, Schmitz, you kind of push off to the side, right? Um, he's a rookie. He's still fitting in with different, different things. He's gotten better as of late, though. Andrew Thomas is Andrew Thomas. You don't really need to worry about him. But other than that, nobody's played well. Uh, Justin Pugh has had his fair share of struggles. He's better in the running game than he is the pass protection game. Bredesen hasn't been himself. Um, so you may look to move on from him next year. And Glowinski, not great. Kind of did better when Evan Neal was out uh, against the Bills and against the uh, Commanders. So you have that. Tyree Phillips is a right tackle. Uh, who's been solid, I will say that, and then Azudu on IR, Lemieux on IR, and all those different guys, but, you know, Parrott's going to come back soon, um, you know, with that on the table, let's talk about the elephant in the room, Evan Neal, no one cares about Matt Parrott, no one cares about some of these other guys, we're talking about Evan Neal, he's allowed five, uh, two sacks, five penalties this season, I mean, he has been injured for most of the stretch, uh, I think it started with a I don't want to say it was the Jet game or it might have been the Jet game. Um, let's see. Before the Jets, they played the Commanders. And then before... No, he got hurt. Um, I want to say it was some early in the season. Actually, let's take a look at the timeline so I don't screw some stuff up. But he got hurt again against the... Uh, Las Vegas Raiders. So let's go down the list, right? He plays the first few games, blah, 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 blah. Against Buffalo, he gets hurt. You know, they get another guy to fill in at right tackle. And then, um, you know, he's out. Commanders, he's out against the Jets, comes back against the Raiders, what seems to be a good offensive line. And then what happens, right? You know, he gets hurt again, and he's out for the Cowboy game. He's out for the uh, Commander game. He's out for the Pack game. So will he practice this week will he start this week i have no idea for you guys but what we do need to see though is you need to see some sort of a glimpse going into 2023 of hey you know um this guy could be our future tackle or this guy could be your future guard you heard joe shane he has total faith in evan neal to be the future starting right tackle of the new york giants 
but you need to see something. Like last year, there were minimal improvements compared to Andrew Thomas's rookie year. And Andrew Thomas is on a different level than Evan Neal. I want Evan Neal at least to be average. And he hasn't been that his entire Giants career, the you know games he's played. He's played 20 games in a Giants uniform. I have not seen average. Um, I've seen below average. And, you know, you're the Giants, right? You don't want to really make the mistake that Jerry Reese did with Eric Flowers. You know, you have Andrew Whitworth on the market, but say, nah, we still trust Eric Flowers in another year of him and so on and so forth. You don't want to do that. You know, if you have to draft over somebody, you you draft over somebody. It is what it is, right? I'll give Dave Gettleman credit. He drafted Andrew Thomas, and I know Jason Garrett had parts in that. He drafted Andrew Thomas over Nate Solder even before the opt-out thing came through. So Nate Solder probably would have been the right tackle, um, or he could have been a left tackle. I don't know, but they drafted over him. I would consider if you, you know, throughout this year, next five games, you don't see an improvement from Evan Neal. You get rid of the coach, which we'll talk about later. You also say, Neal, either move inside a guard or we're going to look for an outlet to trade you or something like that. Um, because the NFL is a quick game nowadays. Guys grow quicker in their game, their technique, their strength, all these different things. But you need to make a move because, I, you know, we can't have Evan Neal always figuring it out forever. It just can't happen. So second half questions, right? Let's go to that. Will Tyrod Taylor, Tommy DeVito start? All signs are pointing to Tyrod Taylor being at least active on Monday night against the Packers. Uh, they waived Matt Barkley. They're going to sign him back to the practice squad. They waived Jacob Eason. So he's going to be active. In my personal opinion, I don't care who starts. I would lean more towards DeVito. Why would I lean more towards DeVito? This is kind of like a tank bias, but this is also like a general bias or just a general decision of mine, my opinion. Tyrod Taylor is the better quarterback. Nobody doubts that. But Tommy DeVito has a chance of coming in being the backup next year to the rookie quarterback or at least a third-string guy competing along with a backup, Daniel Jones, and maybe the rookie quarterback. Obviously, if they take one, which hopefully they do. But along that premises, right, you want to see what Tommy DeVito can do against the Eagles. You want to see what he could do against some of these other cats. And honestly, you don't know how the locker room will align because everyone's gotten behind, um, you know, Tommy DeVito during the whole, um, you know, the cutlets and the hand purses and all these different things. But if Tyrod's back, I would assure you that they will say, okay, well, our best chance to win is with Tyrod Taylor. We'll get Tommy DeVito next year. But I would say Tommy DeVito, personally me, again, I wouldn't be mad if Tyrod starts. But as for Tommy DeVito, man, um, I, w I would put him through and, you know, just play out the rest of the season. I mean, the Giants are not making the playoffs, let's be honest. They don't know that, but we do. Will Saquon Barkley play to a contract to get 1K yards? So the Packers, they're not very good against the run. Uh, the Saints, I don't think they're a particularly good run defense either. I know that the one of the best uh, passing defenses. But that's going to be a big tale, right? Um, I know DeVito will get more pass opportunities as they see fit. But Saquon Barkley, he's got a contract on the line, and he's got a rookie quarterback, an undrafted quarterback. So they're going to lean probably a little bit more on him. Um, I, would I do it bell cow system? No, I, I would not. And I would also like to see what Eric Gray can do uh, down the stretch, not as much as Jalen Hyatt and some of these other guys. But Saquon Barkley, as far as he goes, he's playing for a contract. And he could get to 1,000 yards and kind of say, hey, I was injured three games. I got to 1,000 yards, right? He could say that. He 
he could realistically say that. Um, also, two more things, kind of what we touched on. How much will Jalen Hyatt get the ball in the second half? I think he should get it a fair amount. And again, I talked about this several times this year. With the way the quarterback play has been and the way the offensive system has been, He's not going to get 100 yards every game. He's not going to be the lead receiver every game. He's not going to be the most consistent receiver every game. But he will get the chunk yard plays. The 50-yard play downfield, the 30-yard play downfield, the 20-yard play downfield, the 45-yard play downfield. That will be Jalen Hyatt's job. Then they'll pass it to Slayton. Then they'll pass it to Bellinger. Then they'll do what they do and then run it with Saquon. Right? I think that's Jalen Hyatt's role. And the next year when they get the quarterback in, draft a couple offensive linemen, Hyatt will get an ultimate second year boost and then also as well will evan neal improve down the stretch giving a good glimpse for 24 i would like to pick joe shane's brain at the end of the season hey joe uh evan neal let's just say he does make an improvement do you still consider moving him to guard staying a tackle drafting over him kind of the same thought process if he doesn't work out because again you don't want to be oh we're going to go into year three with evan neal as a sure guy you have to have at least a viable plan behind him, right? Bring in a solid tackle, whether it's to be in the draft, be a free agency, just as a backup option. So uh, let's talk about the defense, which has been the higher side of things with the New York Giants, right? The, the defense, right? So let's start off with a good route, and that's Kayvon Thibodeau and Dex Lawrence having career seasons. I was critical, and now I didn't say he was a bust, but I was critical with, you know, the subject of Kayvon Thibodeau at the beginning I wasn't Sal Licata I wasn't some of these other cats right but Kayvon Thibodeau has stepped up would I like to see him play a little bit better against uh, the Dallas Cowboys and some of these better teams yeah you know I would like to see him better against the 49ers some of these other teams right he's not drafted to play dominant football against trash teams he's drafted number five overall to be a game changer someone that defense is playing against and we've seen that a little bit more. Um, you know, he was very impressive in the running game against the Patriots. He was very impactful against the Commanders. The Cowboys was a little bit silent. Uh, the game before that, the Raiders didn't really see him a lot. The game before that, the Jets game, he was very impactful. Had three sacks on Zach Wilson. And I think he also forced a fumble. So you have that. 26 pressures, 11 sacks, 12 starts. And uh, 36 tackles, 12 tackles for a loss, which he's doubled the tackles for a loss from last year. He's got 13 QB hits. And also, I will say this, right? Um, he is basically the lone ranger out there. Other than Dex in the middle, we're talking about edge players. Boogie Basham, Benton Whitley, and Jihad Ward, and Aziz Ojolari. Those guys are not getting the job done. And you expect the last few guys I mentioned, Benton Whitley, Jihad Ward, Boogie Basham, not to get it done. But Aziz Ojolari not stepping in and not stepping up is bad. Whether you consider it, oh, well, he's not getting this many snaps because of injury. Oh, he's not doing this. Oh, he's not doing that. Whatever. Blah, 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 blah. He was supposed to be, okay, he's going to step up in this defense and be a really good pass rusher alongside uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. And I said it, right? I said it last draft. I said the Giants need to go out there. They need to go out and get an edge rusher because Aziz cannot stay healthy and, you know, what if Aziz goes down? I talked about in the preseason. The Giants needed another edge rusher. They cut to Sean Bauer. They cut some of these other guys. They cut um, Quincy Roche about a year and a half ago. They cut uh, Habakkuk Baldonado. And they went in with really no plan. 
to where some of the snaps you had Boogie Basham, Jod Ward rushing the passer. Teams laugh at that. But his game log for 2023 in terms of his Z's, right? Defensively, 56% against New England. 60% against Washington. 22% against Dallas. I mean, this guy's an injury machine. He really is. Let's be completely transparent about it. So, he, thus far in his career, he's played 30 games with the New York Giants, right? And obviously, you have 17. You have 17 against. So, that's 34. 34. And you add on the other games this year. So, just trying to think. He's played 30 games this year. So, I'm again, I'm... Apologies, still trying to do math here. He's played 30 games thus far. So, I've added up the math and everything after the long brainstorming. But, um, I did the math. 30 divided by 46, right? We've played 17, 17, and then another 12 because the Giants are 4-8 and eight this season. And he's played 30 of those. That's 65%, which isn't that bad if you look at the grand scheme of things. But you take a look. He's missed almost a full season of NFL football within the last two years. It's not like he got hurt his his first year. His last two years, he's missed 16 games due to injury. I mean, that's just not good. And again, his production on the field, let's take a look. No sacks, one quarterback hit, and four quarterback pressures. That's not going to do it, but shots to cave on, man. And then Dexter Lawrence, I give uh, a good shout-out too because as far as Dex goes, right, four sacks on the season. He got Leonard Williams taken away from him. Other than the game against the Dolphins and against the Raiders, which the defense just played horribly, he's been an impact, right? You see him on the film. You see him here. You see him there. Quarterback pressures, quarterback hits. He's got 17 QB hits, four sacks, uh, four tackles for loss, and 21 quarterback pressures. And, you know, I know obviously PFF values pressures a little bit more. They have it go up to like 30, 40, stuff like that. You know, PFF has their own, you know, side of stats. But Dex, um, if the Giants didn't have such a shitty team, he'd be in Pro Bowl conversations. He'd be in the Defensive Player of the Year conversations. I could tell you that right now. But uh, also, it's going to be interesting to see how these D-line develop behind Dexter Lawrence. But we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about the Leonard Williams trade. Talk about this, right? Bobby O'Karake and Micah McFadden. They have totally emerged as the next set of linebackers for the New York Giants for at least the next two years. Uh, O'Karake, no sacks on the season, but 113 tackles, nine tackles for loss, two quarterback hits. And then you look at Micah McFadden, who's had a here and there around the square, but for the most part, he's been good. 74 tackles, 11 tackles for loss, and five quarterback hits. Less sacks, but much of improvement in the QB hits, tackles for a loss, and tackles category for Mr. Michael McFadden. And quarterback pressures, too. He's got an uptick in snaps at 71%, and he's made the jump. We've all asked him to, right? And it's not going to, we're not going to sit here and say, you know, every mistake, oh, damn it, Michael McFadden caused that. Or we're not going to have so much of a, a microscope on him because, number one, he's the second linebacker. Number two, he was a fifth-round pick. And, you know, we could talk about Joe Shane missed here, the here and around the square, but Michael McFadden's a fifth-round pick. How many NFL teams get a starting-caliber linebacker as a fifth-round pick? I can't name too many. So, as far as McFadden goes, I'm very much impressed with him. Very much impressed with him. And it's great. I'll talk about this a little bit. 
the D-line development behind Dexter Lawrence. We need to see something, right? Ashawn Robinson's been decent. Rakim Nuzoc has not been great. Jordan Riley got minimal snaps against the Patriots, and then DJ Davidson also covering in there. I don't see substantial amount of, I would say, growth, right? You know, Nacho's not going to be here next year. DJ Davidson, he's a late-round pick. Same thing with Jordan Riley, but you want to have some confidence going into next year, whether you draft the D lineman or not. Hey, this is the depth behind him. We could stop the run at a solid level. And the problem is they haven't played up to that level yet to where Okereke and McFadden have to play a little bit extra. They have to play a little bit over their game just to, you know, make sure that the running back doesn't go up the middle and, you know, cut it for a 20, 30 yard game. So that's far as that goes. Um, so again, shouts to Okereke and McFadden, but the D line development needs to start happening behind Dexter Lawrence or else the giants will be trapped. Maybe signing another veteran next year or drafting a D lineman. Deontay Banks' rookie season. We're not going to talk about Trey Hawkins. We're not going to talk about Adoree Jackson too much, though. I think he's been solid of late. Deontay Banks, right? As for pro football reference, he's got two picks on the year. Very good picks. He's allowed three touchdowns. That's not bad. Um, one is the difference in that ratio. 76.6 passer rating, 54.1 completion percentage. So, had the pick against Mac Jones. Had the pick against Sam Howell. Both are not very good quarterbacks, but again, credits to Deontay Banks. And he struggled at points this season. Struggled against the 49ers, struggled against the Jets, and he also struggled against uh, a little bit against the Raiders, definitely I know, and he also struggled against the Dallas Cowboys. What we're going to see down the stretch is going to be interesting. Is he going to play up against these wide receivers in terms of like wide receiver ones, wide receiver twos? Who's he going to spend more time around? Because you got Green Bay. There's not too many like logistical threats there, right? You know, got Christian Watson or Romeo Dubs. They're not game breakers. Then you go against the Saints. Michael Thomas on IR. So are they going to put him on Olave with or without safety help? If they do at all. Then you go against the Eagles. Right? You go against the Eagles and A.J. Brown or Devonta Smith. It's going to be interesting to see who takes the cake there. And then also against the Rams, Cooper Cup. So Banks... I think it's going to be telling with him whether the Giants put him against good wide receivers, you know, the wide receiver ones the world, or just the wide receiver twos the world, in terms of confidence in him. Is he ready to make that jump? Is he going to live up to the test, live up to all that hype? Uh, do they need to bring a Dory Jackson back next year? Do they need to sign a vet corner? Do they need to sign somebody? Do they need to draft a corner? Those are gonna, those questions are going to come out in the offseason, but we'll get a better glimpse of how they view it uh, later at the end of the year based on how Banks plays. But overall, it's a solid rookie season. Like It's not DeAndre Baker, Corey Ballantyne uh, rookie season. It's not Eli Apple rookie season. This has been a very good rookie season for Deontay Banks, considering. And then uh, also just a little bit one, right? Um, Xavier McKinney talking but playing better of late. Xavier McKinney on the season, he hasn't really had the impact I thought he would in the Wink-Martindale system, uh, giving him a 62% completion in coverage, no touchdowns, 75.8 passer rating in coverage, and an interception. I thought he would be a little bit more ball hockey, but again, one interception in two years kind of clears that. Um, you know, his play hasn't been uplifting, but again, better as of late against the Commanders and against the New England Patriots. I would like to see it sustained a little bit more 
Um, and also, he was missing tackles in the beginning, but he's got to shut up with the comments, man. He really does. And we'll talk about the coaching staff next, but he's got to shut up with the comments. Um, you know, whether it's a contract thing, whether you have issues with Wink Martindale, be a fucking man and just keep it in-house. Like, seriously. This team is going through a lot. They're sticking together, and you seem to be the piece that's just, like, breaking away, that's isolating yourself from the rest of the team and trusting this coaching staff. I don't get it. Again, it could be maybe Wink's putting him in a bad position. I personally don't think so. It could be a position of, hey, Joe Shane didn't sign him to a contract extension, so McKinney is just blabbing his mouth. What he should be doing is playing up to his level and even above that to get a contract extension. Personally, me, I don't care if the Giants resign him. I don't care. Spend a, a good pick on a safety next year if you have to, like second, third, fourth round. But if he plays better in the next few games, maybe I'll change my opinion. So second half questions, right? Development of Aziz Ojolari. I know a lot of people are like, yay and nay to cutting him next year because you do actually save something with the cap. But as far as that goes, right, um, I just don't see a positive of keeping him on this team. Save the cap that you could get because he hasn't shown anything when he's on the field. What's it going to be the difference, you know, when he's off the field, he's not even on the team anymore. And people will say, well, he'll succeed elsewhere. He won't be on the field because he's injured all the time. So I'm interested, again, next five games, to see what Aziz Ojolari looks like. Uh, I'm also interested to see what the D-line looks like behind Dexter Lawrence, right? Uh, What's going on there? You know, uh, DJ Davidson, Jordan Riley, can those guys step up? They have to be active. They have to be active. I don't give a shit. The playoffs, no playoffs. Jordan Riley and DJ Davidson have to be active. It has to happen. Um, Will McKinney play to a contract? That's what he's going to be looking for. He's been looking for a contract this entire season. Next five games, it's going to be pivotal for him. And then finally, this was just a little tidbit I threw in, Dane Belton or Javarius Owens at safety. Do not activate Bobby McCain. He's not going to be here next year. Owens, you selected in the seventh round with the last pick. Dane Belton, you selected him in the fourth round. Is he just a role player? Is he just a guy that's in the box? Can he play deep? We don't really know too much about Dane Belton, and that's a fourth-round pick. You could turn that into a good playmaking safety or a good player in general, but is the coaching staff going to put time into him in terms of his development? Let's take a look at his snap percentage right over these last few games. As far as Mr. Dane Belton goes, uh, played 10% against New England, 28% against Washington, 15% against Dallas. That's not good. It's not very good, going to be honest with you. So we'll see if they intend on playing him more in the second half. We are sponsored by SeatGeek, folks. So if you guys haven't already, you guys are going to a game, going to a tailgate, need parking passes, going to a concert, SeatGeek is your one-stop shop, $20 off your entire order with the promo code BIGBLUEINTHEBRONX. BIGBLUEINTHEBRONX, nothing abbreviated, none of that stuff, but... Anyway, we move forward and we talk about this coaching staff. So, T-Mac and his special teams excuses. I'm not going to get too much into it, but it's just awful at this point. Special teams hasn't been bad every single game. There's been games where they're good, but just the undiscipline of the players. Like the Cam Brown hit, it's a big hit, but he didn't recover the fumble. New England let it roll out of bounds. The Giants let it roll out of bounds, but Cam Brown was too busy celebrating. That's the discipline that needs to come on special teams. Some of these other things, right? When he made the excuse about the racetrack shutting down and it being torn down, 
Really? How come uh, opposing punt returners don't have the same wind problem that we do? Is the NFL scripting that? So, T-Mac, in my opinion, he needs to go at the end of the season. But I think these five games are going to be a test for him because there are reports circling that Wink, Kafka, and T-Mac could very well be gone under Dable. So, I'm not going to spend too much time on that. Um, I also want to talk about Wink and Dable tensions. That's been heating up, again, more recently. Jay Glazer report, Dan Duggan report, all these different things. That little thing on the sideline against the Dallas Cowboys. Um, again, I talked about it in a video, in a podcast episode. I do not think Wink is the problem. I don't think he's a guy you scapegoat. You know, you want to get rid of guys, go get rid of guys. These guys love playing for Wink Martindale. They do. You don't hear anything about, oh, T-Mac's great. Oh, uh, Mike Kafka's great. You don't hear that. You don't hear that because the players probably don't feel that or feel expressive enough to say that. And I know that it's going to be up now. Oh, yeah, you know, Wink's a great guy. I know that's going to be pushed out there because the reporters are going to ask those questions. But my thing is this. Kayvon, all these different guys, they have succeeded under Wink. The staff that he has put together on the defensive side of the ball. Why? Why would you try to break that up? Why? Because the whole thing with Xavier McKinney? I mean, I would take the coordinator over the player, especially for the fact the player hasn't been, you know, all pro or even pro bowl level over the last two years. Hasn't been great, right? I would take the coordinator, and especially if the coordinator has a resume to back him up. His years in Baltimore, you do whatever you want. But the defense has been the foundation of this team the last two years, and it needs to be the offense coming along at some point. And we're not going to see it the rest of the season because the quarterback play is going to be garbage. The O-line play is not going to be great. Receiver play is probably not going to be great because of the QB play. We're not going to see an uptick in offense. But this defense has played enough to where Wink should stay another year. Will he? I don't know. Personally, I think it would be a mistake to get rid of him. But one second half question I have, and this is not even regarding... uh, Actually, I'll I'll, I'll get two. Um, This one is regarding the offense. Obviously, O-line, QB, running back wide receiver, all these different issues the offense is having, they're real issues. The next five games, we talked about the coordinators being possibly in or out. How much will Mike Kafka be noticed as a minus or a plus for this offense? That's my question. Are you going to sit there against the Saints or against the Eagles or against some of these other teams and say, wow, Mike Kafka actually uplifted this offense to the best of their potential? Or was it, okay, Tyrod just made a play or Tommy DeVito just made a play? Or is it, okay, the receivers suck or the O-line sucks, the QB sucks, or is it going to be Mike Kafka's a terrible play caller? Is it going to be that? How much is he going to be blamed for the offensive inconsistencies we'll continue to see down the stretch? I don't think he's much to blame. I think there is some blame. But I wouldn't have a problem getting rid of him because if you bring in a rookie quarterback, again, the offense has no good continuity with Kafka because they've been garbage, not good offense the last two years. And then the final question, how much will Brian Dable be blamed for the mess at the end of the year? I think he's going to stay, obviously, but he's going to make changes to the coaching staff. He needs to make changes. You know, McGahee and Bobby Johnson better go. That's my personal opinion. But as far as that goes, I think you'll see the injuries thing that he fucked up a little bit with Daniel Jones and Andrew Thomas. Obviously, the ACL is not you know, his fault, but the neck thing, that could be something. Andrew Thomas being out for an extended period period of time. Saquon coming back after a few games, you won't have too much of a glimpse on that. 
But the injuries you'll definitely get a blame for and the offense. The offense is going to be a little bit of blame falling on him because he's an offensive guy. If he's, you know, if he was a defensive guy, then we might not be saying it, but we'd also say, okay, he's a CEO head coach, and he is a CEO head coach, and he should be looking in on what the offense does and what the coaching staff is doing. So my opinion at the end of the season, he'll be blamed for the injuries, some stuff out of his hand. But that's pretty much all I got for you guys. Like, comment, subscribe to all the good stuff. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream prophecy drops. Appreciate you coming back. Um, more Yankees content on the channel. More Giants content. A lot of good stuff coming for you guys. Peace out. See you later. Stay cool.